500 years ago, Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic priest and a professor of theology at the University of Wittenberg in Germany. He eventually came to reject several key teachings of the Catholic Church, most notably their practice of indulgences, which was giving money to the church to reduce the amount of punishment in a place they called purgatory. And Martin Luther said, that's just fiction, and he denied that, and he got in trouble for it. Because he would not renounce his writings against the church, he was eventually excommunicated for the rest of his life by Pope Leo X, and he was condemned as an outlaw by the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. Those who followed Martin Luther's teachings were at first, of course, called Lutherans, a label that Luther himself didn't like very much. Later, they were referred to as Protestants. Now, Luther did a lot of good. He taught that salvation was not earned by doing the works prescribed by the Catholic Church, but through the grace of God. He did a lot of good. He challenged the authority of the Pope himself by teaching that the Bible is the only source of divine revelation. And he opposed the role of the priests by teaching that Christians don't need a human mediator to go between us and God. We can do that ourselves through the avenue of prayer. Martin Luther translated the Bible from Latin, which very few people could read, into the German language, and he made the scripture truly accessible to the common man for the first time. He changed human history. He truly was the father of the Reformation, and he did a lot of good. But Luther was far from perfect, like all of us. But Luther took it to a different level. Many of his writings were abusive toward his theological opponents to the extent of describing them in nasty, even filthy terms. He advocated heavy drinking, and he often referred to beer in his sermons. It has been humorously suggested by historians that the reason that Protestant services were moved to 11 a.m. is that Luther liked to stay up late drinking and he tended to have a hangover on Sunday mornings. Now, some of his later writings, they became extremely anti-Semitic. He called for the violent persecution of the Jewish people. He called for the burning of their synagogues and even called for their death. And Luther also viciously opposed groups, any groups, who didn't believe the Catholic doctrine of the Trinity, such as the Anabaptists. So yes, Luther was far from perfect. Some scholars even believe that years of constant sickness and insomnia affected his mind. They, they openly say that as they study history. And Luther himself admitted that he was often subject to attacks of doubt and spiritual despair. During the 10 months that he was in hiding at Wartburg Castle, Luther declared that he was in a constant battle with the enemy to the extent that one day when he was so troubled, he actually picked up an inkwell and threw it at the devil. And to this day, guides at Wartburg Castle still show visitors the spot behind the stove where the inkwell hit the wall. It may very well have been during that period of personal struggle that the brilliant Martin Luther first uttered a quote 
that I've come to love very much. He said, even the devil is God's devil. Even the devil is God's devil. Now the devil is a fierce foe and he hates God's people. Scripture calls him Lucifer, Satan, the accuser, the adversary, the destroyer, the dragon, the deceiver, the evil one. Scripture refers to him as the enemy, the serpent, the son of perdition, the tempter, the thief, the father of lies. He is in the Bible the wicked one, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of darkness and the ruler of this world. And for all of us who are apostolic believers, this is far more than theological. It is personal. Because we live in the last days when the devil has launched an all-out attack against God's people. It is an invasion of intimidation. I can't guarantee you that your life, your body, your health, your mind, your family, your home, your marriage, your kids, your possessions, your finances, your friends, or your comfort will not be viciously attacked by the enemy. I can't guarantee that. In fact, I can just about guarantee the exact opposite. Something in your life is going to be attacked. If you dare to stand for God, the devil won't like it. The devil is a powerful opponent. He is a vicious enemy. He's a formidable foe. He is crafty and conniving and cruel and cunning. And his agenda of opposition against God's people is already active and it is already accelerating in our world. I preached a message just six or seven weeks ago called Worn Out. And here's what I said. Nothing that is happening around us is happening by accident. The spirit of the wicked one is working even now. And apostolic pastors, I've talked to more than one of them this week. Apostolic pastors everywhere have been prompted by God to sound a warning against complacency. I talked to another minister just this week about this. It amazes me how much in sync the word from God that is being heard by the apostolic church is in our hour. Did you ever think, I never did, did you ever think that you would live to see a day when perversion would be promoted and Christians would be targeted? Did you ever think you would live to see a day when democratically elected governments would impose authoritarian measures against personal liberties and even religious gatherings all in the name of keeping us safe and what is best for society? I never dreamed I would see what we're seeing today. I hope you can admit to yourself that the environment of the end times that we are facing, not tomorrow, not next year, but right this minute, the environment of the end times, it is leading perfectly to the implementation of a one world government, the rule of the Antichrist, the enforcement of the mark of the beast. Right now they're talking about, well, it's probably gonna be true that you can't travel unless you've got a vaccine. I really don't have an opinion on that. I've had several vaccines in my life because of travel. But I will say this, that it's a small step from you can't leave your country without a vaccine to you can't buy or sell without a mark. We are headed 
for an unprecedented crackdown on Christians, just like the Bible prophesied. And it is beginning as we speak. So no wonder, as we live for God in 2021, no wonder we feel such stress and such pressure. No wonder we sense sometimes some vicious, crushing opposition in the culture all around us. No wonder you've experienced obstacles in your life. No wonder you're feeling hindrances in prayer. No wonder you're feeling the tension as you walk with God. No wonder there's frustrations at home and on your job and in your neighborhood. No wonder you've never felt so overwhelmed and engulfed by troubles and trials and temptations. Everything seems to be ramped up. Everything seems to be more intense than ever. Because we, the church, we're the focus of Satan's antagonistic agenda. But in the face of this demonic onslaught of opposition that is coming from hell itself, I have an announcement to make. Even the devil is God's devil. He doesn't get to do one thing that God doesn't allow because even the devil himself is God's devil. <laughs> Satan's a master of falsehoods. He's deceived so many people with his lies. The Bible tells us that he's behind all false religions. The Bible tells us that the devil can produce false signs and wonders. Scripture says he will deceive the whole world. Scripture tells us he can work miracles to get people to believe a lie. And he even has his own doctrines. The devil can use evil men to try and seduce the church. And he even disguises himself as an angel of light. And Satan has so many tactics that he uses against the people of God, all in an attempt to try to defeat us. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, he accuses us. 1 Timothy 3 says he condemns us. 1 Peter 5 says he tries to devour us. Revelation 2 says he'll try to imprison us. 2 Timothy 2 says he tries to ensnare us. 2 Corinthians 2 says he'll try to ensnare us. 2 Corinthians says he takes advantage of us. And Mark 4 says he even tries to steal the word of God away from your heart while you're listening. But I stand here tonight with an announcement to make. Even the devil is God's devil. The conflict between Satan and God is like this ever-escalating war between computer hackers you know what a computer hacker is. One side, they program a virus that can cause incredible damage or even hold an entire computer system hostage. But then the other side of the battle, they create a solution that can root out that computer virus and restore order to that computer system. And then the cycle repeats itself 
over and over and over again. New viruses, new antivirus programs, and it just goes on and on and on. And the stakes get higher and higher and higher. It's now possible, we've read it in the news this, this year, that, that uh, a hacker will, will uh, get into a government system of some kind. And they've held whole cities hostages by hacking their computers. And they demand a ransom to let the computers work normally. And, and, and it's just an ever-increasing battle. That's just in the world of computer software. Let me tell you, for 6,000 years, the devil has been playing a very similar game of one-upmanship with Almighty God. For six thousand years, this conflict has rampaged through human history. You see, Satan was successful in leading Adam and Eve into sin in the Garden of Eden, in the opening chapters of your Bible. But God, he intervened in a redemptive act and God spoke this promise. I will put enmity between Satan and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's a messianic prophecy. God was saying there's coming a day when the devil is gonna reach up as a serpent and he's going to bite and hurt and wound the heel of the Messiah. But the Messiah is gonna turn around in an act of hacking the devil's own attack and he is going to tread on the head of the serpent and defeat him at Calvary. And as soon as that prophecy was issued, Satan from that very moment, he began working feverishly on his plans to launch a preemptive strike, to hack God's system of redemption. He tried to abort the line through which the Messiah would come because he wanted to stop God's people at any cost. The devil filled Cain with enough hatred that he murdered his righteous brother Abel. But God raised up Seth to continue that righteous lineage. Satan led mankind into so much wickedness that the world had to be destroyed by a flood. But God raised up a man named Noah to build an ark and save his family, thereby saving the human race. Satan deceived men with false religions that worshiped the pagan gods of nature. But God raised up a man named Abraham that was so filled with faith that he followed a God that he couldn't see toward a land that he'd never seen. Satan caused stubborn Pharaoh to issue a death warrant for every Hebrew baby. But God thwarted his plans through his own daughter, and through a little baby boy named Moses. The devil tempted Israel into lustful orgies before a golden calf in one of the most despicable, humiliating, scandalous scenes of Israel's history. But God hacked the devil's attack and he raised up the righteous sons of Levi who stepped in and saved the day. Satan bribed the prophet Balaam to curse the nation of Israel for money. But God took control of that prophet's tongue and every time he stood up to curse Israel, all he could do was bless Israel. I think God still does that sometimes when the devil is trying to curse the people of God. God just turns it around for good. 
The devil frightened the spies with all those giants that resided in the land of Canaan. But God raised up Joshua and Caleb and they said, wait a minute, we are well able to take this land. The devil tried to starve out the nation of Israel to to just annihilate them through the raids of the Moabites. But God raised up Gideon and a loyal band of 300 men. The devil bound Samson with cords of lust that he could not break. And the devil arranged for the strong man Samson to be handed over to the Philistines so he could rot in a prison. But God gave Samson his greatest victory when he repented at his lowest moment. Don't you tell me God can't step in even when you feel like you've lost it all and you've wrecked it all. He can step in at your lowest moment and give you the greatest victory of your life. The devil polluted the priesthood of Israel through the wickedness of Eli's sons. God stepped in and raised up a boy named Samuel and the Bible tells us that not one of Samuel's words ever fell to the ground. He spoke with authority for God. The devil ensnared King Saul with the sin of pride that ended up getting him killed. And God just hopscotched over Saul and chose a man named David who was a man after God's own heart. Every time the devil tried to put a virus of sin, a virus of defeat into the line of the Messiah, God turned around and he hacked the devil's plans and he put an antivirus in the same system and saved the day. God caused, or the devil caused Queen Athaliah to kill all the royal descendants and seize control of the kingdom. But God used Jehoiada, the priest, to hide in the temple a young king named Josiah who saved the day. It goes on and on and on. The devil raises up wicked Haman and he hatches a plot of genocide against the Jewish people. But God raises up a young girl named Esther to become the queen of a pagan domain and turn the situation around. The devil caused an enraged King Nebuchadnezzar to throw three Hebrew boys into a fiery inferno. But God himself stepped out of heaven and walked with those three boys in the midst of those flames and delivered them from certain destruction. And the devil manipulated King Darius to throw Daniel into a lion's den. But God shut the mouth of the lion's and Daniel's enemies were destroyed instead. And that's why I stand here with calm assurance tonight. And I tell you emphatically that even the devil is God's devil. He tries to lift his hand against the people of God and the plan of God and the word of God. And every time he does, God outwits him. God has been one step ahead of the devil since creation. God has been one step of the, ahead of the devil every day of your life. The devil is God's devil. <laughs> there are no recorded cases of demon possession anywhere in the Old Testament but as soon as you flip a page into the New Testament, all of a sudden, demon possession is rampant everywhere during Jesus' earthly ministry. And that's because there is a war being waged between God and the devil. It's a spiritual conflict, not an earthly one. It's a conflict for men's souls. 
You see, in the Old Testament, Israel had a physical covenant about the land they would inherit, the promised land. But in the New Testament, we have a spiritual covenant. And if you've got a spiritual covenant, yes, you get to enter into its spiritual blessings, but you also have to enter into some spiritual battles. Because the arena of spiritual warfare moved from heaven down to earth at the incarnation. And we're still fighting ground warfare even today between the forces of evil and the forces of God. Satan tried to tempt Jesus to give up the incarnation in the wilderness. He whipped up a storm on the Galilee in an attempt to drown the sleeping Savior. The devil once incited angry townspeople to try and throw Jesus off a cliff and he stirred up the hatred of the Pharisees and the chief priests enough that they were finally successful in orchestrating the crucifixion. The devil even got into Jesus' own tribe and he, he used a disciple named Judas to help with this sinister plan. Let me tell you, the devil walked into an absolute trap when God hacked his sinister virus, his sinister scheme at Calvary. And when Jesus walked out of the tomb on the third day, the devil was humiliated in the very halls of hell because everything he had tried to do was upended. And what the devil meant for evil, God turned around and used it for our good. And that's why Paul said, none of the princes of this world knew the wisdom of God because if they had known what God was up to that day at Calvary, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But the devil got hacked. He fell into the trap. On Calvary, God took a defeat and turned it into a victory. He took a dead end and turned it into a doorway. He took what looked like a murder and he turned it into eternal life. The devil got hacked and Jesus is victorious. The devil didn't stop just because Jesus rose from the dead. Satan was behind the stoning of Stephen, the murder of James, the crucifixion of Peter, the beheading of Paul, the exile of John. Satan fought that church from the moment of its birth on the day of Pentecost. He was behind every wave of persecution, every wind of false doctrine, every betrayal by false brethren. And that little fledgling infant church, they should not have survived the first century by any stretch of the imagination. There was simply too much against them. And yet, 2,000 years later, here we are on a Sunday night still serving God, still proclaiming the apostolic message because God packed the devil's plan. The virus that the devil tried to use against the church was turned around and Jesus is still the victor. Now we live in the last days when the adversary of God's creation, he is the evil mastermind. Be careful about calling some group names or blaming some group for what's going on because the devil is the evil mastermind behind all the horrific scenes you've seen in the media over the last several months. It's the devil who is manipulating people behind the scenes like some evil puppet master. 
He's got them enthralled with crazed emotion and carnal perversion and crippling addiction. He's everywhere manipulating behind the scenes. The devil prowls about as a roaring lion seeking everyone that he may devour. It is a treacherous thing to live in the end times when we're this close to the coming of the Lord and when the awareness is so low and the stakes are so high. It is a dangerous thing to live in our day in the era of casual, uncommitted Christianity. It's like a drug that tries to rock you and lull you to sleep. It, it, it's like a virus that wants to get inside your spirit and make you start thinking like the world. But I have an announcement to make tonight. Even the devil is God's devil. He thinks he's going to win. He thinks he's going to be successful. He thinks he's got the church on the ropes and he's knocking us down and knocking us out. But even the devil is God's devil. Satan labors under one crippling fact. He knows that his time is short. He faces a dreaded sentence of eternal imprisonment without any possibility of parole. No wonder he's angry. He works under that terrifying reality every moment of his existence. And he knows this is his last chance to try to mess you up and mess up God's church before the rapture. And that is why in our day, the devil is throwing everything he possibly can against the church. He is working feverishly and frantically. His wrath is stirred up like never before against God's people because the church is the devil's worst nightmare. Two times in the last book of your Bible, in the book of Revelation, two times the devil is referred to as the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. He sounds like a fierce foe, and he is, except the first time we see him in Revelation, he's being kicked out of heaven, and the second time we see him in Revelation, he's being bound with a great chain and thrown into a bottomless pit for a thousand years. So when you read it that way, he doesn't seem like such a threat anymore. That old serpent's eternal destiny is the lake of fire, but our eternal destiny is the new Jerusalem. That old serpent is going down big time, but the church is going up in the so if the devil ever slithers up to you and reminds you of your past and makes you feel shame, you just remind him that he's got a future of punishment, but you've got a future of eternity with Jesus. He's already defeated. Revelation 12 says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God 
day and night. I want to see that moment when God finally forever casts the devil down. And the Bible says about the people of God, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And when everything was against them and all hell was attacking them, they loved not their lives unto the death. The attitude of God's people in every era is this devil the worst you can do is kill my body but if you kill my body my soul goes to heaven and I'm going to live forever so that's not such a big deal every day every single day the devil tries to intrude into your life and insert the virus of sin one more time he wants to destroy your dedication. He wants to fry your faithfulness. He wants to wreck your righteousness. He wants to shut down your prayer life and steal your joy and pummel your peace and hack your holiness. He wants to ruin you. And so the devil's thrilled when a trial upsets you or when an offense destroys you or when a temptation derails you. He's absolutely thrilled. You make the devil's day Every time you succumb to the fear that is presently paralyzing our culture and you decide, well, I better just disconnect from the church for safety's sake, you make the devil's day because the devil's thinking they're not much opposition for me. But let me tell you, in this day when everything around us is fear and anxiety and paranoia, there is a people. There is an apostolic church that is not scared to death. They are excited to life. They are ready to do something for God before Jesus returns. You see, every one of your lives, I don't care if you live on the shortest street in the smallest house in the city of Fredericton, your life, because you're a Christian, is a part of this cosmic spiritual battle. And that's why the devil works so hard to defeat you. But if you will fight back and pray, then God will hack your trial and give you a testimony. You might not feel like it today. It might have been a bad day. I don't know. But please know that whether it's a good day or a bad day, a happy day or a sad day, you are still on the winning side for all eternity if you're in the church. If you could see into the realm of the spirit, you would realize the truth that I am telling you tonight. The devil and God are not opposites. They're not opposites. Satan isn't even on the same level as God. He doesn't even compare to our God. On his very best day, the devil was merely a created angel. And since that time, he has fallen and he can't get up. He has no power except what God originally delegated to him. He hasn't got more power in the interim. He doesn't have any more power than God allowed him to have in the beginning. 
So the devil, I know he seems fierce. I know he makes you nervous, but the devil is like a snarling junkyard dog that comes barreling at you on all feet and with his teeth bared and he comes attack and just about the time you think it's over, God hauls him back on a heavenly leash and said, that's far enough. You can't go one inch further. See, the devil, he can't even see that God is just using him to accomplish his own eternal purpose. The devil doesn't sit on the throne of heaven. God alone sits on the throne of the universe and he's still in control. And so again, I can stand here with calm assurance tonight and tell you even the devil is God's devil. The devil can't get to you unless God allows him to come near you. The devil can't take anything from you unless God says it's okay. He has to get permission every single time. Let me conclude. Calvary was the first time the devil got his head bruised, but it certainly wasn't the last time. That first century church, they tied the devil up in knots. He thought he really accomplished something when he orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus. He walks away thinking, there, that's it, finally. The Nazarene's voice is silent. His followers will scatter. And he thought he was good. And then Jesus rose from the dead. That wasn't a good day. But then Jesus ascended back into heaven. He thought, well, now I've got my chance. I can attack these believers. I can attack this infant church. And so he tried. But 50 days later, when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, all of a sudden, the devil realizes he's got one incredibly difficult problem to manage. Because now, instead of Jesus, God manifest in flesh, walking around the Galilee or walking around Jericho or walking around Jerusalem, now he's got little Jesuses everywhere because every one of those believers is filled with the Holy Ghost. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And because it dwells in us, we have the power of God to combat the enemy. All of a sudden, the devil realized, I got hacked. This is a big problem. God won the day. The more he persecuted that first century church, the more they grew. The more he tried to kill them off, the more they multiplied. Please remember, if the devil is under Jesus' feet, and if you are part of Jesus' body, then the devil is under your feet. Jesus gave his disciples the solution to every one of Satan's attacks when he said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, somebody will pop up and say, wait a minute, I got an objection, Pastor, because I got hurt. I was in a car accident. I broke my ankle. I, I, I broke my elbow. I, I got hurt. Pastor, somebody did something against me, and it, you missed the point. 
You might get hurt by a few little things physically, but the devil can't hurt the eternal part of you. He can't touch the most important part of you. So yeah, you, you might have a bad day. Your car might break down. Your fridge might go on the fritz, but nothing shall by any means hurt you because none of that can get anywhere near the Holy Ghost that is in your heart. So what you need to do and what I need to do and what the church needs to do is when you feel that end time pressure coming against you, you need to learn to push back. When you feel the devil fighting you, you need to fight him. Don't let the devil push you around. You have the right to push him back. Don't let the devil trample your life. Not when the scripture says you can trample him under your feet. Don't let the devil win the battle because the weapons of your warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Don't let the devil terrify you with sickness. Not when the Bible says that God is the Lord who heals you. Don't let the devil terrify you with thoughts and fears of dying because your life as a child of God is in God's hands. If the devil could have killed us, he already would have killed us. There would be a big traffic pileup at the end of Downing Street and we all would have lost our lives tonight. But the fact of the matter is, the devil, he can't kill you. You can't get out of here until Jesus says it's your time to go. The devil is powerless to kill you. I know we say, well, that was an accident. That was a tragedy because we feel the loss but there's not one child of God that ever leaves this planet one second before God said I want them to come home Pastor Justin was preaching a message in, at one church this morning and he made this incredible point. I thought it was so good. He said Job lost this and Job lost that and Job lost 3,000 sheep and 5,000 donkeys and whatever it was. He said and at the end of his life after Job got through his trial, God gave him double everything the devil had taken. You go back through the list of livestock and the devil, he, he tried to take it all but God gave double back. But God didn't give Job double the number of kids because the devil couldn't take his kids. God allowed them to die. And so he didn't get them back double. See, the thing is that, that God is in charge of everything about your life. Don't let the devil wear you down with trials because you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. And don't you dare let the devil trap you by temptation. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If God be for us, who can be against us? So I close with this verse. Calvary was the first time the devil got his head bruised. But it certainly wasn't the last time. Here's the word of God for the end time church. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The first time he got his head crushed, it was under the feet of the Messiah when Jesus died on Calvary. It looked like a defeat, but it turned into the greatest victory in human history. But the devil is going to be trampled by the church. He's going to be overcome by the people of God in the last days. I know. 
Right now, come on back, Ryan, if you would. Right now, the church is facing unprecedented restrictions around the world. There's so much paranoia and fear. And the devil's fighting us on every front. He really is. And some have succumbed to his attacks. The world around us is drowning in its own sin and wickedness. But I stand here tonight to just remind you on a Sunday night that Satan does not control the final outcome of this great cosmic spiritual battle, nor does he control the outcome of whatever battle you may be in personally. He doesn't get to write the last chapter of your story. He is just a pawn on the chessboard of heaven and the rapture will be the checkmate that sets the church free from every one of his attacks for all eternity. And that's why your Bible says, when you see these terrifying, treacherous things begin to come to pass, stop looking at the media. Look up, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. The elders told us that it was going to get bad before it got better. The elders told us that the devil would fight the church in the last days. The elders told us that all of this terrifying stuff would happen in our world. And we got so comfortable because we were so blessed that we never really expected it. We thought life was going to go on. I am not a prophet of doom nor gloom. I make it a good policy of ignoring most of the entertainment that passes for news reports. It's just crazy. There's so much fear and paranoia. I refuse to succumb to it. But I will stand here and tell you, we are in the last days. And we may never be the same again. We have no idea where we're going from here because you and I, we're just little pawns in this world. We don't control what the government does. We don't control what a virus does. We don't control what the politicians and the, the money people do. We don't control that. And we know from prophecy that we're headed in this world. We're headed toward tragedy and travesty. We're headed toward the antichrist and the mark of the beast. We know that that's the way the world's going. That's why I'm so thankful for the hope of the rapture. Because just about the time you think you can't stand it one more day, that could be the day that Jesus returns and catches his bride away and we get to go be forever with the Lord and see all of our loved ones that went on before. That's what you call hope. But down here on this earth, we don't know if we're going to go back to what it used to be. We have no idea whether we're ever going to get back to normal or not. We hope so. We trust so. We'd like a few more years to kind of enjoy living here on this earth and be in relative peace. But we know this past year how quickly over the last 10 months everything got turned upside down. 
And if you're not careful, you'll feel that thudding pressure of culture and media. You'll feel it in your head. You'll feel it in your spirit. You'll feel it in your heart. And it's kind of telling you, you don't control it. It's terrifying. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's just this drumbeat of fear and this drumbeat of anxiety. I refuse to be all bowed over with all of that junk. I stand up strong and I say, I am looking up. I am lifting up my head because any day now Jesus could return for you and for me because the devil doesn't write the last chapter even the devil is God's devil man I like that statement the devil thinks he's large and in charge he has no idea even the devil is God's devil God has him on a leash he can't go one second more than God has designated because when the rapture happens God shuts down the devil's attacks against the church forever no more tears no more pain no more suffering no more sorrow no more death no more separation it's over at that moment and the church is eternally with him and so in the middle of a culture that's upside down and a world that's fearful. I am not fearful, not in the least. I'm kind of excited. Oh yeah, I'm frustrated from time to time. I get frustrated by these crazy restrictions. I get frustrated by them changing zones on us. When the chances in New Brunswick that you'll get sick from COVID, I checked today, they're 0.0003 something of a percent. It's so remote. It's crazy. And, and, and we do need to pray because we don't want to just kind of inadvertently let go and just kind of let it all happen. You have the right to pray and say, God, help us in this situation. But if God doesn't answer that prayer and it just steadily gets worse, I'm still not going to be paralyzed with panic because Jesus is coming. And even the devil himself, he's just, at the end of the day, he's just God's devil. God created him. God can take care of him. God allowed him to exist. God can snuff him out. God can judge him. God can punish him. God can put him in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And God can toss him into the lake of fire. You see, the devil doesn't control this. Jesus controls this. The one you worship controls this. He's still in charge of this world and of your life. And for everybody that's watching me at home or you might be watching this later long after Sunday, I want to tell you that the devil doesn't decree the last day. He doesn't decree the end of this situation. God has the final word over your life. So right here and in our other building and at home, if you can at all, I'd like you to lift up your hands and I'd like you to begin to pray with me. I'd like you to pray until you feel that little gnawing fear ease. I'd like you to pray until you feel that anxiety that's been trying to get in your mind. See, that's the devil trying to hack your life, but God is going to turn that virus around. He's going to turn that spiritual attack around and he's going to bring victory to you. You don't have to live in 
fear. You're a child of God. You don't have to live without any peace. You're a child of God. Even in the middle of an upside down world, you can have joy and peace that passes all understanding because you are a child of the living God. And I know the devil's mean and I know he hates you and I know he's tried to attack you, but even the devil is God's devil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me, would you please, here in the building and in our other building, would you stand? Would you lift up your hands? I want you to pray over that situation that really stumps you. I want you to pray over that loved one that that you're so grieved over because they're not serving God. I want you to pray over that trial that you're walking through, and I want you to realize that even if it's not going the way you prefer, the devil is still God's devil. He can't touch you any more than God says he has permission to. He can't take the eternal part of you. You are more than a conqueror through the one that loved you. I wish I could get you behind those masks. I wish I could get you to just lift up your voice and pray in the spirit. I want somebody to go home ready to just knock the devil down. I want somebody to live this week walking bold, standing tall, standing strong because the devil can't do anything that would take away the eternal hope that you have. Jesus right now I pray for your people in this building in our other building I pray for everyone that's watching at home I pray for everyone that will watch this in another time zone somewhere around the world or they'll watch it later I speak your word over them I say to them I speak to their spirit and I say stand up look up lift up your head and rejoice your redemption is is drawing nigh. Jesus, I speak to their spirit and I say no fear, no bondage, no addiction, no sin can come against them. But what Jesus, you have already given them the answer. Jesus, strengthen them. Let them stand up in their spirit and say rejoice not against me. Oh, mine enemy, even when I fall, I'm going to arise. Even when I sit in darkness, the Lord is going to be a light unto me. Jesus, lift up your people. Fortify your people even in the last days. Even when we're facing what we're facing. Even when we're walking through trials. Strengthen your people for the battle they are in. Let the church be the church. Let the church be victorious. Let the church be triumphant. Let the church be everything you have decreed her to be. I pray it in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that is listening to me right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over their mind, over their heart, over their body, over their home. I plead the blood. The devil can't get through the blood. The devil is just God's devil. The devil can't get through the name of Jesus because the devil is just God's devil. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I know it's hard to do this anymore, but I don't want to let go of it. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. 
Here's the other part. And shout unto God. It might sound muffled, but do it anyway. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph because on your worst day, you're still serving God. On your hard day, you're still serving God. On your sad day, you're still serving God. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Oh, my. I get reading that word, and it just makes me feel like wanting to go out and whoop the devil all over again. See, the devil's already defeated. You don't have to do the heavy lifting to defeat him. You just have to stand covered by the blood, baptized in the name, filled with God's Spirit, All you got to do now, Paul said, having done all to stand. All you got to do in these tumultuous times is just stand there and refuse to be moved by what you feel and see all around you. Having done all to stand. Say, Pastor, I don't feel very strong. All I can do is just kind of get here and just stand. That's good. You're doing exactly right. Because when the devil attacks you, you just think in your head, even the devil is God's devil. (laughs) I love it. I love the word. I love his church. I love his plan. And I love all of you because God has put us in the same family. I thank you all for being with us tonight. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to preach to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. All of you watching us online, thank you for being with us tonight. God bless you. Go live for God and go push the devil back in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you.